You're listening to the Mini Market Podcast presented by Tellum Sports. Welcome back to the Mini Market Podcast. We're all in the house, in the hizzy. Is it so cool to say hizzy? Maybe. It Was it ever cool Here to say are. hizzy? Roll with it. Roll with it. Hizzy is evergreen. <laughs> it's like hip. I, I was hip. Hip and the hizzy. The boys are back. It hizzy. is NFL draft week. Whoop, whoop. Draft talk today. Draft heavy. But first, Connor, you're wild. Clinched a playoff berth. Congrats to you. Congrats to the wild. How are you feeling? You on cloud nine? I'm feeling good. Uh, as a group, we've earned this one, I think. Um, it's been kind of a crazy year for the wild. Like they made an awkward trade, like, five games in to get Ian Cole and that looks like an awesome deal like he's been an awesome addition to the to the team to the franchise and then they made like no deals at the deadline which is kind of unusual for them and it ends up working because they're on a seven game heater right now and they're only one point behind Colorado for second place in the west so things are looking up honestly I'm still pulling for Colorado to win the division if the wild don't which is surprising I can say that, but now the Wild are kind of casually in contention for the division. Um, that would be insane. I would be thoroughly shocked, as I'm sure everyone would be. But I'm hoping the Colorado Avs win the division so we can play Vegas in the first round for obvious reasons. Vegas has been our punching bag for their pretty much entire existence. So love to does see the, that. Does the Minnesota fan in you make you like for me that makes me nervous knowing that we've just <laughs> dominated this team for their entire existence like you said like and it and it doesn't make a ton of sense because from the time that they, they came great. into the league the wild weren't great mm-hmm. and it's kind of trending towards the wild they're getting better and we're still beating them and they're like an elite team yeah are we does do? it make you nervous that it's like all of a sudden oh it's the playoffs now they're gonna like find an extra gear against the wild uh, actually, that's a good point. I'm I'm gonna go. No, I'm not that worried about it. I think it'll be a great series if we do play Vegas. I don't know if we'll win, but I think it'll be a great series. I think we match up pretty well with them. I mean, they have high powered offense, no doubt about it. But I think we can match them. But Colorado feels a lot like the new Blackhawks for the Wild, where we don't play well against them, really ever. Like we'll scrape a game here and there. Maybe their backup goalies in and stuff, but. Devin Dubnik. Yeah. Yikes. Um, yeah, welcome back to the division. Uh, he was in San Jose, which is also in the division, but is it really? I mean, come on. Um, we can say that thing because we clinch, baby. But, yeah, I think whoa, whoa, whoa. Colorado is – is it, they're scary, man. They're, their top-end talent is real good. So, overall, excited for the Wild. Um, hope we can finish the year out strong. Uh, I'm, it feels like we're going to be the three-seed in the Western – or, sorry, the West division. So, all things are uh, all things are looking up to the playoff, baby. Here we go. Let's do it. I just wish there was a way we could play the Coyotes somehow in the playoffs because we have absolutely fed them this year. It's been un, uh, lopsided to say the least, and it's fun that we clinch against them. It's just very fitting because the Wild are six and one against them this year. Just total domination and. A lopsided scores too so i don't know maybe we could try to rework the rules again since they already did that this year and we could just be like hey coyotes if you want if you want to come up to minnesota we'll play you yeah let's seed all the way out one to eight i think we could match up with the coyotes then but yeah i mean like they- they're in a desert too we'll play a different desert team you just yeah. 
insert desert team of our choosing will take the coyotes just randomly seems fair seems fair yeah we do feed the coyotes i think the goal differential in that series is like insane real big so yeah yeah so go wild baby let's keep it rolling connor for the playoffs who do you think's the most important player for the wild like if if they're gonna make a run obviously there's the goaltending but is there an another player that comes to mind as like they need to step up they need to have sort of their their breakout in the playoffs to carry the wild i it's funny because this last week i've seen a lot of good memes about it It, basically it's like zuccarello and um and kaprizov and then on a sled behind them is like a gif of of victor rass because they're just like pulling him along with so i think that i think that's one player that could be potentially impactful in a playoff series is victor rask i think the easy answer is goaltending because you know if you pitch a shutout one night all of a sudden you got a really good chance to win um or even hold the team to one goal you got a pretty good chance to win in the playoffs but i think victor ass is going to be really important if he can not hold them back too much on that line and maybe lines are getting shuffled around a little bit too down the stretch here. So maybe it'll get, maybe, maybe they won't be the same grouping, but I think they'll be big. And I also, I've been down on him this year as most people I think have, but I think Zach Parise may have a big impact in the playoffs. He's a guy who's been there. Uh, he went to the cup with the devils um, back in the Dizay. Really? I think he, yeah. I'm pretty sure he did. Maybe fact check me on that, but I'm pretty sure like early in his career, he went to the cup with the devils. So I think he'll be an actually impactful player for the wild. I don't know why, but he strikes me as one of those guys who would just crumble in the playoffs. Uh, Not in 2011, 2012, he was named team captain and led the devils to the Stanley cup finals. Does that sound like a crumble Dalton? No. And I, I, that's a crumble. That's the kind of crumble I'm getting on Sunday morning at a brunch spot. It sounds delicious. Yeah, just, nice just raspberry drizzle, some, crumble. drizzle some gravy on that crumbly biscuit, baby, and you'll be good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think he, I think he can have a, a big impact, and if he does, I think the Wild are going to be a really good spot. Are you concerned at all with goaltending depth? I know Kakinen hasn't been as good recently. Like he he was almost he was basically goalie one A, and Talbot was one B for the first half of the season, and. He's fallen off a little. Do they do they roll two goalies in the playoffs very frequently, or do you just sort of ride the hot hand the entire way? Hand up on this one. I don't know how the playoffs are exactly structured this year, if they're structured the same with the games, like if you get space between games. But if, if they're doing like back-to-back night gap, back-to-back night on like one travel day, it's going to be tough to go four games in a row for, for Talbot. But I think I – think Traditionally, they do play the backup a little bit, and a lot of teams that make the playoff typically have pretty good backup goalies, and we had that for sure early in the year, kind of like you mentioned. I'm sure he will he will start a game in the playoffs, and I I am uneasy about that. I'm not sure how it'll play out, but hey, we'll uh, we'll roll with those punches, and I think if our offense is explosive that night, we'll have a chance. So I'm banking on the offense if we have an off night with a goalie. Yeah, you just got to time them right. When the goalie's hot, that's when you only put in one goal. Yeah. When he's struggling, Mail team rises to the occasion. I know we talk about Kaprizov pretty much every time we talk wild, and it's kind of like, all right, guys, do you have anything else to say? But the goal that he scored against the Coyotes 
And this is this will feed into he is the most important player for the team because he's just the most dynamic. And I think a lot is going to be resting on his shoulders because he's such a good creator. And he's recently starting to find his own um, uh, scoring stroke. And like it's been really impressive, the run that he's been on lately. So I do think I think he's going to be the most important. He's probably going to be the guy that gets game planned against the most like things get really physical in the playoffs. And so I think he's going to have like that big X on the back of his jersey and on the front too, and maybe even on the shoulder pads. We'll see. Who knows? But I think, I think teams are going to be coming for him, especially like a, you know, Vegas is obviously they don't like the team, the wild. That's kind of this budding rivalry. I know Dalton doesn't believe that, but I still think it's going to be, and I think it's going to play out uh, in an interesting way. But that goal that he scored against the coyotes was absolutely filthy. I watched it 15 times in a row. I still don't know where the puck went in. I like I have no I idea. I can't get either. the angle to figure out where the heck he shot that thing because it was so smooth and it was so fast. It was unbelievable. Like I, I I'll watch it a hundred more times and still not be sure where he. If you're playing shot. a video game and you're on defense and you get scored on like that, you're pissed. You're you're like that's a glitch. That's a glitch. Like, something gone. something glitched right wrong. Amazon yeah, get a new is, controller ordered. Yeah, that's the you're so right, Dalton. That's the one where you're like, no, that was stupid. That was so dumb. And then you go to the replay and you're like, see, and it's like going through the goalie's like yeah, shoulder. shoulder. And you're like, see, it shouldn't have gone in. Yeah, yeah. definitely. You know, uh, one thing that's interesting about that goal, too, is we've talked about it early on, but he like almost maintains or gains speed, it looks like when he glides. Like it's just incredible. Like, cause when you go with that wide base, a lot of times you'll slow down, but he just pulls it back, puts it through his legs. And just like coast past the guy. It was, it was, I mean, he is just an, like we have always said, an electric factory. He's terribly fun to watch, just a treat. And that move was nasty on the defender. And then to what we presume is chip it through the goalie's shoulder. I mean, it was, it was quite the, quite the delight. Is he the best player the Wild have ever had? Is he the best player ever, ever had, ever? Already, I, I will say if he if he retired today, he would be the wild leader in points per game, just uh, edging out Marion Gabrick. I think he's averaging 0.82 points per game. Sometimes people don't take those opportunities to go out on top, right into the sunset. Peyton Manning. Serious. I mean, you know a guy who should have. It's Pat Mahomes. Senior. He should have gone out on top. No, but it, I think he, it's like it's that debate of like. Is he is Kaprasov the most talented player on in the wild history? You could argue yes, right? Just on the things that he's done this year and like the ability that he's shown, and like Connor, like you're saying, his skating ability is insane, his creativity, uh, and he's starting to prove he does have some sniping capabilities. Um, so you could say that, right? But I think you got to have longevity if you're going to be like, who's the best player yeah. in a franchise? So it's that same thing actually with. Uh, Pat Mahomes of like he's an is he is he a Hall of Famer already in three years I don't know he still needs to have like the rest of his career but you could say easily that he would be so I, I would say Kaprasov is on pace to be the best wild of all time but I would still say it's Gabrick just because he Body was here order. long enough he did yeah he he I mean you people forget how he was stellar too and he came when yeah. the franchise was just budding and he was a big reason that there's a lot of probably uh, old North Stars fans who were like, mm, okay, I can follow this team. Yeah. Well, I think it's it's a little bit of a testament just to even consider him. You know, it's half a season in and he's just that the fact 
that we're mentioning him as possibly the best wild player ever. I mean, it's that's just how good he is. So I don't know. I mean, I've said it many times. He's incredible to watch on the ice. He's just so fun. And he's kind of gotten me excited about hockey again, which is <gasps> shocker. No. So the Wilder playoff bound and the Wolves were officially eliminated from playoff contention this week. Takes the stress off. Tough. Takes the edge off. Now we can just ball, baby. <laughs> you know, it's what the guys play. Always hurts a little bit to get eliminated, but they had a nice win over the Jazz. Speaking of how the Wild own the Knights, do the Wolves own the Jazz? They now have two wins in Utah against the team with the best record in the NBA. The Jazz are 26 and 4 at home. Two of those losses are to your Minnesota Timberwolves. Like, how are you feeling as a Wolves fan? That's actually an, it's an interesting matchup because I feel like the Jazz are a team that should just pump the Wolves. Yeah, body down low. Like, the way that Rudy Gobert plays offense is the exact type of center that Cat generally struggles with. Like, you look at his matchups with um, Steven Adams, for example. Like, when, when Cat goes up against like a traditional center, he struggles. And Rudy is that. Like, he's just a big body down there. Um, Maybe it's just that Cat can get uh, better looks offensively because he's more of a stretch five and Rudy is kind of like plays well um, in the paint. But I don't know. It's like this the the rest of the Wolves season, obviously, they've been eliminated. So it's just about trying to see the right progression. And really, honestly, it's mostly about um, Towns and Russell playing together, right? Like, I feel like that is as important as anything for the rest of the season is to just get them a ton of time together and, and to really kind of get an idea of like, okay, this is these two in a vacuum. This is what they look like playing together. And maybe that will give Rosas a better sense of the needs around those two, like how seeing how they interact, how they play, how the pick and roll works between them um, will help kind of, paint the picture for what the team needs in the auxiliary positions um, for the offseason. I think I think for me that's probably what the remainder of the season is mostly about. And just watching Anthony Edwards do Anthony Edwards, which will always be fun. And just listening to his press conferences. He's a good quote. Throws a 99, so maybe we could get him on the uh, when we want to do our batting competition, we'll just call Anthony Edwards because he claims to throw 100. We'll give him a month to warm up. We'll take that month to get our swings back in order. Um, I'm going up we'll there with catcher's gear if he's throwing. Yeah, that's the big thing. I is, trying to is get hit. He, yes, he might be able to throw it, but remember, the big stipulation of that was it's going to be a strike every time. <laughs> yeah, he hits the zone. I guarantee it. <laughs> You don't throw 100 and can't throw straight, right? That's mm -hmm. never happened. Yeah. Ricky Vaughn. But yeah, the Wolves have a couple interesting matchups coming up. Interesting in terms of draft positioning. They play the Rockets on Tuesday. They're two games ahead of the Rockets. The Rockets have the worst record in the NBA. Wolves have the second worst. Suck it. And then... Coming up, I think it's in like two weeks, they play both the Magic and the Pistons, who are the two teams just ahead of the Wolves. So the Wolves are going to have some opportunities to potentially move up in the standings or maybe pad their um, second-to-worst record in the league and put a little distance between them and the teams ahead of them.
if you look at uh, the bottom five teams, which have sort of separated themselves from the rest of the NBA, the Wolves have by far been the best team since the All-Star break. So they might have, we might have an opportunity here for the Wolves to keep climbing the standings. Uh, it might hurt their lottery odds, their odds of keeping their pick by a couple percentage points. But uh, Wolves fans, don't be surprised if the Wolves pass one, two, or maybe even three more teams in the standings before the end of the season. I'm all for it. I'm, I say win away. Um, I don't know how you feel, Isaiah, but I've been saying a, for a team that has repeatedly failed to establish a winning culture, I think it's kind of dumb to purposefully lose in a season where, in a best-case scenario, you have only a 40% chance of keeping your first-round pick. Uh, yeah, I think I agree. Because I, we've talked about Cat, the sand dial is starting to run out a little bit with him in terms of we're going to get close to if the Wolves can't start putting together better seasons in the next couple of years, like it might start becoming decision time for Cat. Um, and he said all the right things, obviously, but that can change really, really quickly when you get a sweet offer to play with a contender. Um, so yeah, I think it is probably more important at this point to start figuring out how to win games and to actually start backing up some of the things that they talk about a lot in their press conferences, like uh, Towns and Edwards especially, they talk a lot about effort on defense and coming prepared to play in games and then they give up 40 points in the first quarter against teams that they're as good as or sometimes it feels like better than like if you think about that Kings game they gave up 120 points to the Kings and 128 the next night so and it's just that overlooking your opponent type thing and they have to I think you're right Dalton learn how to stop doing that and um, another young piece would be great but it's is it necessarily going to help them win next year which is the timetable when you need to start winning. It's like they kind of need to make the playoffs next year, right? So, yeah, I think these last uh, 15 games could be fairly important in terms of the team development. What do you think if, if they lose the first-round pick entirely, is that, like, not a big deal? Like, like if they win four or five games, I, or, or if they move up, sorry, for like three spots... I know it doesn't alter their percentage a lot, but just a little bit can affect it and they follow the lottery. Is that like you guys are okay because you're seeing the winning culture and like you're fine losing the pick because you think the pieces are here if we're winning through down on the stretch, essentially? Is that kind of how you both feel? I mean, if they, if they lose the pick, I'll probably cry, but I know that it's more likely than not that they lose the pick. So I wouldn't say it doesn't matter if they lose the pick, it'll be crushing because if they could add another young piece or trade that pick to get a, a nice starting caliber player to help next year, it would be immensely helpful. But I guess my downplaying of the needs to um, maximize their lottery odds was just because they're, they're behind the eight ball no matter what. So I don't think it's worth sacrificing these crucial games of development of the Cat, D'Lo, Edwards sort of camaraderie for the sake of getting an extra 3% chance of keeping a lottery pick. Yeah, like I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I don't want Kid Cunningham or that I don't want yeah. Jalen Suggs on this team. Like that would be ludicrous to sit here and say mm -hmm. that because I think, you know, it's however many high caliber players can you add to a team, it's eventually to start to build something, maybe throw as many things at the wall as you can. Yeah. Um, it kind of was working for the Nets 
honestly, for a little while. Like they had a lot of good young players until they blew it up to make with whatever team that they have. But um, I've already accepted long ago that no matter what happens, the Wolves won't get this pick. So you might as well win. Because like I've said it before, NBA is rigged. The um, Warriors are down bad. Like they might make the playoffs this year. Might. They'll, and it, at the very best, they'll be in that play-in series. And I think the NBA knows that a good Warriors, exciting Warriors team is more important than a good, exciting Wolves team. So I think it's already like a foregone conclusion that we don't get that pick regardless of... Like the Wolves could have won 10 games like Lou predicted this year, and they still wouldn't have I think I said 15. So I think I said 15. Yeah. I think he said seven. <laughs> I think the one thing that is like... Okay, like if we win a game! <laughs> I think the one thing that slightly pulls for Minnesota in the whole like rigged theory is like some of the teams that they're competing against, if you will, for the first pick, Detroit, Orlando, Cleveland, Oklahoma City. I mean, Houston's one of those where you feel like the NBA probably wants to get it back on the map. But those are like, I would say, comparable, like the desire for the NBA to make those groups good is probably pretty similar, right? Like, it, like, I feel like there's no reason that they're like, oh, we got to get the Pistons or the Magic or the Cavs to be dominant again. Here's a conspiracy theory. So Disney owns ESPN, who's in it big with the NBA. And you know what Disney wants? They want Cade Cunningham after he gets drafted to say, I'm going to Disney World when he gets picked number one by the Magic. Bingo. Do draft picks say that? Or is they it do now? Maybe if they're getting <laughs> picked by the magic, baby. <laughs> That's what sure Shaq, Shaq did. It. Yeah, I, yeah, I caught that too when he did that. But anyway, it's a big week on the mini market pod. It is NFL draft week. So let's keep the draft talk rolling and get into some NFL draft talk. Time for the main event. Guys, how do we? How do you guys feel about the NFL draft? Is this something you look forward to? I feel like there's sort of two ends of the spectrum of people who have been looking at big boards and mock drafts for six months, and then the ones who are kind of like, I'll, you know, watch the first round. How do you guys feel? I um, I'm excited for it every year, but I don't try to dig too much into it until at least like the week of the draft, or at least close there, because I just don't want to get too excited too early. And I don't want to get into like getting excited about getting one specific guy or anything in the first round. And then guess what? He comes off the board maybe right before our pick or, or anything like that. And so I just, I kind of like being surprised with, with the first pick. And then I look at, I really dig into it after the draft. See, I'm a guy, I like to see the first mock draft. And it's kind of like, oh, like that's the, exciting. Like, Let's see what they have. And then, <laughs> like, right after the season. Yeah. And then, like, basically after the college football season, like that first mock draft, I should say. And then I ignore it till about a week before because it's so funny to see it change. Oh, like, yeah. I remember the first mock draft had, like, almost everyone had us taking um, Gregory Ro Rosso, I think it is, Rocio, um, from, from Miami. And now in the mock drafts, some of them have him fallen out of the first round. Like, it, it's, was it solely it's his combine that, that dropped him down? Like it's just funny to hear right, how that exactly. all plays it's out because like, he's dropped significantly in a lot of the mock drafts that I saw this week compared to where he was. Right, they now. have 
they have all this game tape and they know how these guys play actual football on the field, 11 on 11. And then what drops them, it feels like is their combine or like their pro day stuff when they're just going against no defense or no offense, whatever, no, no one on the other side of the ball. And they're just like doing a workout essentially. And that's what changes all these scouts minds, which just kind of baffles me. Yeah, that I can't decide what's a bigger crock of shit. Is it the NFL draft <laughs> or is it the NFL combine? Because I think they're both <laughs> an absolute waste of my time. I will not be watching the draft. I'll get the ESPN. You didn't like last year with Raji and his old uh, his old lazy boy? No, I didn't. I didn't <laughs> like that. It was awkward. It was weird. It, it was, but it was somehow less awkward than it is in person. Um, but no, I mean, we watched the. I think all the drafts are boring. Honestly, I think it's it's come on. It's exciting. Okay, I've you get excited the MLB for it. Draft for years, you. baby. Yeah, it's insane. You're watching a okay. hundred rounds of picks of guys you whatever. The thing is with the draft is it's all about the hype because the actual draft is boring. Like nothing happens. They pick pretty much uh, like chalk. They just go exactly what you would expect. And even if they don't, it's like, oh, my God, I guess I don't actually care that much unless it's your team. Right. And it's, <laughs> well, you watch one pick and it's such a drawn out process. I'm not a fan of the draft. I think and my second thing is I kind of looks pissed uh, and I, I'm going to uh, go ahead and the keep trade going on my other has thing. been placed trades yeah that's the thing you get all hyped up for the trades and then they just I, don't I, happen i will agree last year was a huge bust they were like there'll probably be seven trades in the top 15 and there was one maybe or none like but i'd say in general it's a, for me it's a lot of fun to always watch the top 20 picks or if the vikings are later than that then you know till the vikings pick i always like to see how the chips fall because even last year like i would not have thought justin jefferson was gonna fall to us i thought for sure he was gonna go higher so I feel like like I'll like lock onto a couple players and as the parody starts to build, we're like, why are they not picking them? Like the Brady Quinn year, that was funny because it was like, why are they not picking them? Why are they not picking them? And then he falls to like the end of the first round and then he ends up sucking. So it's just interesting to see how all that play out. I, I do enjoy the draft. I don't enjoy the late rounds. Like I don't need to watch the third player from UC God knows where um get drafted who i've never heard of you know so it's like some of that stuff is it, the late rounds are boring to me and i wouldn't watch those but i i enjoy the first round i think it's a lot of fun i i and i just hope for trades basically that's what i want i want people to mix it up i want surprises it's, it's the anticipation is more exciting than the event that's all i'm saying I, and i i agree if if we qualify the late rounds as being picks uh 15 and up total through the rest of the draft then i'm with you love the later on hate the later ons. love the early stuff so you hate the draft but does the does the little uh the the bell sound for the pick like da -na -na. Does, i mean that's does, the best part that get a little tingle the, in your loins pick is in yeah after i've been yeah. waiting seven minutes and watched so many commercials and i watched mel kuyper talk about seven different guys that don't get picked yeah once that bell comes in, I love that sound because it means we're one step closer to the end of the draft. You know what else is a tradition unlike any other at, uh, at the draft? J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. Oh, every year, except for last year, hashtag Zoom. Um, but I think I, I do, I, I don't know. It's fun. It's exciting. It's like the, it's a big moment for a lot of these new rookie NFL players. And it's fun to see guys get emotional at times. That's kind of fun, especially like... Love to see a big like three hundred thirty pounds, six seven, 
offensive lineman like crying it up with his mom. That's cool. Well, the thing that's almost the most interesting part now with the age of social media is like if a guy drops and everyone's like trying to dig something up, why is he not getting picked? Why is he not getting picked? And then every once in a while, they actually, there is that big scandal that drops right before the draft. Like this guy's a top five pick and, and he just drops out. Like that is almost just as electric as, as some of the picks. Cause like, I mean, as Ike was saying a lot of these teams know exactly who they're taking. Everyone knows what everyone's looking for. And it just feels like the last few years have been pretty boring, but I do love a good scandal on draft. I actually night. have the opposite <laughs> opinion about social media. I think it makes the draft worse because I don't know if you guys noticed this, but like last year they would like tweet out the picks before they became live. That, that kind of sucks. Oh, I see that is, that's I hate social I media. Hate that. That's the only day of the year. Topic, I'm not a but, Twitter fan. And now the teams, they call the guy before he even gets picked. I like the old, the old just reaction. Who prefers of them to call Roger Goodell or whoever? Today. Yeah, they're, they just hear their name from the commish. They don't get the call. Chuck Foreman. Hey, we're going to be picking you here. Yeah, like, what are we doing? I want to see the genuine reaction. Lou wants rotary phone, uh, carrier <laughs> pigeon. He wants it old school. Look, I think the draft would be, somebody should just cut together just the picks. The yeah. draft is just like the, an NFL football game. There's like too much empty space. three hours. There's 10 minutes of actual gameplay. I want the draft cut together immediately after the first round. I don't want any of the fluff, no filler. Just give me the picks. This is what we do. Yeah, we shake it up. We cut the time in half or even more than that. They get, say, say they get two minutes. Then... Man, Mike Tice isn't even coaching. He's already TV sweating right there. That. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering. I was like, can we talk about the draft and not talk about the time when the Vikes just didn't get their pick in? Like a shining moment in the sports history. <laughs> but anyway, let's get into um, a little bit. We're going to do a mock draft here in a second. A mock draft of the first fourteen picks up to the Vikings at pick fourteen. But just to sort of level set to make sure everyone knows sort of what the Vikes are sitting at coming into the draft. So they have the 14th overall pick in the first round, and then they don't have a second round pick because they gave that up in the unique Ngakwe trade. They did recoup a third round pick in um, in the trade where they sent Ngakwe to the Ravens. So they have one first round pick, no second rounders, two third rounders, um, and then they have 10 picks total. But I think the hot thing to monitor, the Vikes currently have zero seventh-round picks where Deal and Rick Spielman loves to operate. Quick over-under guys currently have zero seventh-round picks. One and a half. You think we're going to have more or less than one and a half seventh-round picks? Connor? I am going to go under, honestly, in this one. I think starting with none, I... I I think we're going to have a total of one when it's all said and done. I think one of those fifth rounders is going to turn into maybe a sixth and a seventh or something like that, or maybe two sevenths, and then we trade back in, get earlier in the sixth round. I think we're going to have one seventh round pick, but I'm, my, I'm eyeing the four fourth rounders. I think they're going to make some noise with those. Ike, what about you? Over, under, one and a half sevenths. Let me just list off a few names here, okay? Let me know if you heard of any of these guys. Bo Jackson. Shannon Sharp, Donald Driver, 
Marquise Colston, Julian Edelman, Gary Anderson, Ryan Fitzpatrick. Gary what Anderson. What do these guys have in Yeah, common? what a name drop. Gary One Anderson. of the best kickers of all time. Yeah, okay. Yeah, what? but one of the most infamous kickers. Still one of the best. It's a kicker. mistaken. Yeah, well, guess what? They all got picked in the seventh hey, round. We could, so I we think could use Spielman's one got a strategy. Let's find a sleeper late. I'm going over. Bo We're going to turn something that, into yeah, that, that is, that's by Bo. That's a cheat code. He was drafted <laughs> like second overall by the Bucks, and then he didn't want to go because they ruined his senior year of baseball. Yeah, they ruined but, his baseball. But hey, seventh round, seventh round. Well Last done, I checked, Good research. Blue over under, one and a half sevenths. Over. I'm eyeing those four fourth rounds and the two fifth rounds. Ricky is going to be shaking something up. He loves his seventh round picks. And the fact that he has none right now, that does not sit well with him. I can tell you that much right now. He's bumping it up. I'm going to predict even three. Whoa. Yeah. Fourth and a fifth for three sevens. Book it. Book (laughs) it. And now, Telem Sports proudly presents the Mini Market Mock Draft. Okay, so let's get into our mock draft. Here's how it's going to work. We're going to go in a circle. We're going to make selections uh, one at a time. And then when we get to the 14th pick, the Vikings pick, we're each going to make a selection as to who we would take in that situation with the people remaining because this is a Minnesota sports podcast. We want to talk Vikes. So we're going to make four selections for the Vikes, and then we can discuss why we would take who we took. So without further ado... The Jacksonville Jaguars are on the clock. And Lucas Hansen, who are you taking? A tough one. I mean, can I have what seven minutes to think about? Make no, it. we're taking Trevor Lawrence. They it's too Lost. good to pass up. I mean, really not much of a discussion. He doesn't even here. like football. It's a shame that uh, Gardner's going to have to take a backseat. The Minshew mania is going to be a little dimmed, if you will, but uh, he's just too good to pass up. The Jags are taking Trevor Lawrence. Shocker. Shock the nation. Connor, you're on the clock at number two with the New York football Jets. (laughs) Shot at the Giants there. (laughs) With the second pick in the first round of the 2021 draft, the New York football jets select the number one quarterback in this draft zach wilson out of brigham young university nothing too earth shattering there it's just it's kind of the i feel like it's pretty much the consensus pick when they moved on from darnold it's it's pretty clear that they're going quarterback here and i would be shocked if they went with uh anyone other than uh zach wilson isaiah you're picking for the 49ers at pick three. They traded up to this spot. They traded up, and it's like, why? Who knows? A lot of uh, 
it's a lot of quarterbacks early, so I'm taking a quarterback. I'm getting in on the hype. Um, but I'm going with Trey Lance. I think they're going to go with Trey Lance. Yep. I think Justin Fields is at that point where he's been overanalyzed. We've learned too much about Justin Fields, and it's going to make some people squeamish. Interesting. And apparently, uh, this quarterback's coach, John Beck, and has been working a lot with Trey Lance, and him and Shanahan are kind of they're boys. So, yeah, wow. Trey Lance shocked the nation. Wow, that is uh, that is a surprising pick. I appreciate uh, mixing it up a little bit. I I am a little caught off guard by that. Locked and loaded. All right, I'm picking for the Falcons at pick four, and I am taking a tight end. Oh, there Kyle he Pitts goes. Out of Florida. The hype around this guy. Everyone says he could be a, a Hall of Famer, which I feel like is ridiculous hyperbole, but they say if he were a wide receiver, he'd be the number one wide receiver taken, but he is in a monstrous body, and you watch his highlights at Florida, and you're like, this guy is ridiculous. I think why not add another weapon to Matt Ryan and the Atlanta Falcons offense? Kyle Pitts, tight end, Florida, book it. Book it. I've seen him go as high as two in some mock drafts. So that is insane to me. I just can't imagine building around a tight end. But four feels like a good spot. Good weapon for Matty Ryan, Matty Ice. We're back to Lou at number five for the Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah, they... uh got to take the top O-lineman on the board, the Oregon Duck. I Correct me if I'm wrong here. Uh, Penay Sewell? Sewell? Sewell. Sewell. Quack. Sewell. Yeah, this Quack. guy's Quack. a monster. Uh, and Joey B coming off the injury this year, they got to do whatever they can to protect him, and this guy is it. He's the real deal. It is Connor Kern. Connor Kern is up picking sixth for the Miami Dolphins. With the sixth pick in the 2021 draft, um, I believe we received this, we the Dolphins, via trade from Philadelphia. And we will be bolstering the receiving core, taking the first wide receiver, Jamar Chase, LSU. Tua needs weapons. Good pick. The SEC deep roots staying in the south all right isaiah number seven the detroit football lions are on the clock this played out just like i imagined by taking trey lance early it leaves justin fields for the lions they're in a, a bit of a quarterback turnover they just got rid of their boy maddie staff they're going to find out very quickly that jared goff is not going to cut it in the nfc north the boys are coming for him. So they're going to have that back up in there pretty quick. Justin Fields. He'll be starting by week four. Week four, you wow. say? I mean, I hope you're wrong on that because I would love to see the Cali boy just in there for a little bit longer. Goff. But uh, who knows? Who knows? Yeah, I, it was funny. I feel like the quarterbacks have been an interesting topic because I've seen Mac Jones floated as high as that 49ers pick. But then I've seen him very low in the 49ers first round. pick. Yeah, I've, I've seen a wow. couple of mock drafts saying that, like, oh, the 49ers really like him. And I was like, if you want a game manager, you can trade back, but whatever. Yikes. Like the pick, Ike. That's my point. Thanks. 
Okay, so I am picking eighth for the Carolina Panthers. I think they were looking at QBs earlier, right? But then they swapped out, got Sam Darnold in a trade. So now they're off the the QB market. So I'm going to take the first defensive player in the draft. I'm taking a cornerback. Spicy. Patrick Sertain. Mm, Cornerback out of Alabama. That guy's he's good. big guy's too, good. which is kind of underrated for corners. He's like six two and like two oh five or something. Playmaker, I like it. Yeah, and Lou, physical. Yeah, Lou, you said this in the past. You can just trust Bama guys. Yeah, That's just plug and house. play. All right, Lou, you're on the clock. Number nine, the Denver Football Broncos. Uh, well, kind of just what Ike said. You can trust Bama guys, and then he said and. Except quarterbacks, but the Broncos are taking Mac Jones. Wow. They need somebody to at the very minimum come in to push Drew Locke to get better since he's really hasn't been that great. So yeah. They need a little quarterback controversy in Denver. Mac Jones to the Broncos. Five QBs in the first nine picks. Is that a record? That Do we is. have anyone looking that up? Stats department? That's wild. Very yes, it is confirmed a record. The most picks in the top 10 of quarterbacks of all time. It's kind of fun. Exciting stuff. All right, Connor, you're on the clock. Number 10, the Dallas Football Cowboys. Well, the self-proclaimed America's team, uh, highly debatable, but they are, they got a great, uh, got a great corner with Diggs on one side, and I think they're going to bolster that defensive backfield and bring in J.C. Horn, cornerback, South Carolina. You watch a lot of Gamecocks football? I watch a lot of Cox football. Love to hear it. Heard the atmosphere out there at Columbia is just incredible. Hasn't been the same since Spurrier left. Old ball coach. R.I.P. Old ball coach. I think he's still alive. But anyway, Isaiah, you're on the clock. New York Giants, pick 11. Just the New York Giants. <laughs> uh, man, I feel like the Giants should just have a higher pick, right? They are. They need stuff everywhere. I um, completely. Right? Like, how did they, they end up I at saw 11, that and I was right? like, what? Did they trade back already? They won just enough games to, to have yeah. not a great pick. Yeah. Um, it's a tough one. I feel like, you know what? I'm going to go with the, the travel man strategy. You got to build up the middle. Oh, so I'm going to linebacker, Micah Parsons, Penn state, get a leader in there running the defense. Okay. Okay. Yeah. He's going to be a beast. I'm uh, fairly confident of that. So that leaves me with the Philadelphia Eagles. Pick 12. They took a wide receiver right before the Vikes last year, didn't they? Who did they pick instead of Justin Jefferson? Jalen Rager? Name, but he yeah. is not good. Yeah, and he Rager. was brutal. So I think they're going back to the well this year. They're taking another wide receiver. I think mm. they're going to go with the Heisman winning Devontae Smith wide receiver. Alabama. Yeah, that guy is good. I think there are some concerns about his weight, though, because I think he weighed in at like 165 at the, yeah. wrong with that. the Bama Pro Day. Feels like a really good weight. 
Not if you're I kind of an one. ideal weight, maybe. That's a cyclist's weight. <laughs> uh, incredible athletes, yeah. No doping. <laughs> so okay, the final pick before the Vikings, pick thirteen, San Diego Chargers, Lucas Hansen on the clock. Uh, yeah, the Chargers are kind of in the, a similar boat to the Bengals, where they they seems like they found their franchise quarterback in Justin, not Justin Fields, Justin Herbert. Uh, so they need they need some help around them. They need to protect them. Uh, they are going to be taking uh, Rashawn Slater, offensive lineman from Northwestern. This is a versatile guy, nerdle right right tackle and left tackle. So he's he's been around the block, knows how to play. O line to protect his quarterback. Okay, okay. So now we are at the Vikings pick. So we're going to go around and we're each going to make our selection who we would take given these first 13 picks. Connor Kern, you start us off. We'll go Connor, Isaiah, me, and then we'll get back to our Vikings reporter, our Vikings specialist, Lucas Hansen. I think there's a couple directions that that the Vikings definitely could go. I think there's obviously there's a there's a potential need uh, in the offensive line area. I think there's there's always a need. Uh, it seems like with Zimmer for more cornerbacks early in the draft, but ultimately, I think the true need is to get somebody to get after the quarterback. And so, with the 14th pick in the 2021 draft, the Minnesota Vikings select Quiddy Payne, defensive end, Michigan. A little guy, the tiny two sixty one guy, just a little pipsqueak out there. You want him? Uh, <laughs> okay, one six and versatile. I believe are terms used to describe him. Yeah, six four two seventy seems decent to me. He's not uh, two seventy. He has probably weighs in at right now. Big not lunch the combine after lunch. Believe in the combine. I'm a huge uh, combine. Combine's such a good joke. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, he's explosive. He, if, if everything works out in hunters on the field this year for us, that's going to be a nice one, two punch on the, on the defensive ends. Um, and I think I just didn't think there was the offensive lineman uh, there for us. Um, the right fit anyways. So that's what I'm going with, baby. Let's do it. Bring the pain. I think it's pay. I don't know if there's an end. Pay, bring the pay, baby. It's payday. It's payday. Quitty witty. It'd be interesting because there has only been one draft since 2010 where a D lineman was not picked in the top 10. In 2012, D tackles went 11th and 12th. But this would be, I think, the furthest down that a D lineman has been selected in a long time. The first D lineman. Getting the cream of the crop in the 2021 draft, Minnesota Vikings. So that'd be interesting. A little factoid there. But anyway. Isaiah, you're up. Picking for the Vikes. Who would you take in this spot? See, the part of me, so the draft is that has we've constructed it has been kind of interesting. I, I wanted the guy that Lou just picked from Northwestern. Um, hopefully, fingers crossed, on draft day, I won't be watching, but hopefully I get the notification that he drops down and <laughs> the Vikes can scoop him up. Another part of me is like, uh, Lou has talked about it. He talked about it a little bit this fall of like, we have two really good options in wide receiver, but who's our third option? Like, do they go for that third option? Would that be fun? Like, would you get Waddle if he's there? Like, would you go for it? Um, 
who knows, could be kind of interesting there. But I think with the draft as we constructed it, you and Connor, this ties back to how you see the Vikings, is that Kirk Cousins is not the problem. He's good. Mm-hmm. And I'm on your side now, remember. Mm-hmm. If everybody mm-hmm. forgot, I have become a Kirk Cousins apologist as well. I will defend the guy. It's not his fault. He has no time. So you got to go. You got to fix that hole. You have to find out if Kirk is good or not. So you just have to have as many good offensive linemen as you can. Vikings back in the day did have a pretty sweet offensive lineman from the West Coast, from the Conference of Champions, from USC. I don't know if anybody remembers his name. Matt Khalil. Matt Khalil, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. And I think we go back to that particular well. You've got to find out who can win. And that's a Conference of Champion uh, participant. And that's Aliyah Vera Tucker out of USC. Put him wherever he can fit on the O-line. Like, you just got to get skill there. That's my pick. My thing with that, while it's an okay pick, I just, it's hard for me to justify drafting, uh, like, because he's inside. So he's like a guard center. It's hard for me to draft that high, a guard center, where I think I see the Vikings potentially trade into the second round and trying to get a guard there. But I mean, from everything I read about this guy, he's an animal. And there's he, reports he could play tackle too. Yeah. I did. I didn't see that. I don't know. I know there's, he, he probably can because he's pretty big. But I heard that he, he weights a bit of an issue, and a lot of times fat guys don't get to play on the outside. They get to play in the middle just because their feet are slower. But that doesn't mean they couldn't change. And I think there, there's definitely going to be a need for, um, for offensive linemen in this draft. So if you can go get the one you want right away, hey, knock it out. Let's do it. He's just, it's just that he's graded as the best pass blocker in the draft, and he was playing both tackle and guard. Mm-hmm. So that's, I guess, if you're... Looking to defend Kirk, give him some time to throw. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, oh no. I, I hope they. I hope they do, and he plays really well, and then cousin sucks, and then I can be like, then I can just come down. The then you can rain flip, flip of fury back. this fall. That would be ideal. Well, you need five good linemen, not just one. Okay, I'm up. Let's see. So. I feel like there are always people who say like best player available, go best player available. And they'll point to, I think the Bucks, the Buccaneers always draft best player available and they just won the, the Super Bowl, obviously. But then there's always the other side of the coin of like the Dallas Cowboys who took CD Lamb last year because they were like, oh, he was number five on our big board or something and picked him. And then they have just problems all over defensively. They have no depth anywhere, but then they have three good wide receivers. And it's sort of like, ah, how is that really justifiable? But I think you've got to remember who's coaching the Minnesota Vikings and who's calling the shots. It's Mr. One-Eyed Mike Zimmer. And I think he's taken a D back. I think Mike Hughes has shown he cannot stay on the field. There are some legal troubles with their first-round pick last year. So there's some defensive back issues the Vikings still need to deal with. I think they're going to take Caleb Farley, big quarterback out of Virginia Tech. He, I think before last season, he was projected to be like a top five, top 10 pick. But then he opted out of the season and had like a back injury or something. Um, so he's slid a little bit. But I think of that, the back's not an back. issue. <laughs> Don't worry about the back. <laughs> I think Zim's going to take a guy who can't stay on the field with a guy with dude, a bad back. I, I looked at him. 
I, I don't hate that cornerback pick, but he only moved to cornerback in 2018. He was a wide receiver before that, and he opted out in 2020. Means he's, he's got, got bad hands. Next to none, no experience. <laughs> and so that worries me a little bit on our, our cornerbacks who typically already just get gashed up and down the field. I'm not worried. Elton, did you even prep for this? this Come is on, good. man. <laughs> <laughs> he was the guy I had number one all along. <laughs> Stick with oh. your gut. Draft day. It, it goes back to it, um, to what I said earlier about the other corner. He's another pretty big body corner where he's like 6'2", like 210, or maybe a little lighter than that. But again, he's a guy who he can, I think he can cover bigger wide receivers. And I think wide receivers are just getting more and more insane in the NFL. So if, uh, if, if he can do it, I'd love it. I did see like there's, there's that Northwestern corner, Newsom as well, that's kind of in the mix too. But, you know, I th- I don't hate the pick. I think I think get him in, have Zimmer work with him, and hopefully he can stay on the field. That's been the biggest question mark a lot of times with our corners is just getting hurt. And hearing he has back issues makes me feel great about that. It checks out. All right, Lou, you're last. Who you taking here with the Vikes pick? Yeah, I went uh, I went back and forth quite a bit on defense or offense because I know the defense did add quite a bit this offseason in free agency but i still feel like there's a really big hole on the uh the other side of the d-line dn side um opposite of daniel hunter which needs to be addressed but i think overall the defense is in a pretty good spot so i think we got to go offense like i said shocker o-line we're going o-line christian derisaw out of virginia tech he is a very versatile O-line, big, big frame, 6'5", 315. Uh, he's athletic, and he excels in the uh, the zone blocking scheme, which is very good to build around the Dalvin Cook scheme that we've got cooking up. Also, as Ike mentioned, it, uh, it never hurts to protect Kirk Cousins a little more because I agree I just cringe every time he's just got to run for his life because he's never getting out of that ever. But when he's got time, he's arguably one of the best passers in the NFL. Spicy. Give that man some time. We'll start winning some ball games. Boom. Boom. I think the only thing Boom. Lou I read about him was that he's his footwork needs a lot of work. So that's a little bit of an alarming thing on as a yes. tackle. But overall, I mean, a lot of these guys have pretty high level experience and there's always going to be something that a scout's going to pick them apart for like i always enjoy reading those like five years 10 years 20 years later when some hall of famer reads their like scouting report like what the negatives were those are always just a treat to read online so i i think it's a good pick i think you can't really go wrong with any of the guys we selected i think it was uh they're all good need areas for us and most of them are have a clean bill of health so good job to most of us three out of four yeah <laughs> last thing on the draft this is unrelated but you guys know did you guys see that there's a guy from uh wisconsin whitewater division three wyack center shout out who is projected to get drafted second second to fourth round yeah yeah he's like did, a lot of people kind of wild did you see any of his workout videos this summer he looked like a monster he, like just went out to like a cabin in Canada Rocky and like style. he would, he just like cut down trees and like That's he was sick. just throwing stuff around. He's a it man, was, man. It was very yeah. much Rocky style. 
Um, oh, I think yeah. the phrase they use is have... gravel eater is kind of <laughs> defines him. Like the dude is just an, a man child. And it's kind of fun because like last year they had the guy from St. John's in, in Mayak and now this offensive lineman who, yeah, I think there's some serious buzz around him. It'd be sweet if the, I was kind of thinking of him when I was saying the, the, the Vikes could maybe get a lineman in the second round if they're willing to trade up. I think he'd be great. Or if they could get him in the third, that'd be awesome too. Be kind of fun to keep him close. But the dude's workout videos, if you haven't seen them, check them out. They're kind of fun to watch. So it looks strikingly similar to me, too. So, Well, there we have it. The Mini Market Mock, Volume 1. We will be updating that daily. Daily, hourly. As the tweets roll in. But guys, do we have anything else? Enjoy. Hey, enjoy. Enjoy the draft. Anybody got baby. plans on Enjoy Thursday night? Draft. I've got nothing totally wide open Thursday night. If anybody's looking to get something on the calendar with me, Thursday night wide are open, free. <laughs> <laughs> Enjoy the draft. All right. Well, that's going to do it then for this week of the Mini Market Podcast. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Tellum Sports and check out our blog at TellumSports.com. We will see you next week. Bye. Peace. Thanks for stopping by. Skull. I'll never get those 20 minutes back in my life. <laughs>